New recording six. We're go. We're going. And I did test this before. Oh, sorry. So earlier today, I put these headphones on and I was talking into this. And I found that depending on the volume of these, sometimes you could hear it back. So at this volume here, there's no recording of anything except my voice on here. But is this... Is this volume fine? How I'm speaking is it? Or, am I coming across clear? Okay. If that made no sense, Alex, what I'm saying is I tested this earlier, and I can only put your voices so high before they come out, and you can hear them on the recording by my face because this is technology from like the moon landing. It comes through. What I'm saying is I tested this and this worked without you hearing this on this. What I'm saying is I'm hopefully avoiding. I don't. I, need to, I didn't need to bring up any of this. I was just. <laughs> it's, I'm ready to start. We don't hear Alex. He's doing something. He said he's testing something. I, he might need our silence. This poor man. He's fine. All right. I'm so pleased that we solved this issue. There's sunlight there. Yes. Did you hear us or was I just talking to you and you were... Oh, yeah, this poor man. <laughs> I'm good to go. I'm recording. I've been recording for two minutes and four seconds. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Great. Thanks for having me. I I'm a solid medium, working towards good. It was a it's been a long day, but a good one. But um, my album, <laughs> my album, unsolved mysteries. I don't know something has that been taken yet. Um, uh, it's just been a, a good day at the farm. It's been busy. It was a CSA pickup day here for shares of lamb and pork. So I've been uh, going nonstop. Um, there's one within a two inch radius of me at this exact moment, um, my dog, but, um, I think a solid five. Oh, shucks. <laughs> it I know I'm sorry that um 
James Conn is outside in his apartment. He's outside. So James Conn is my red tail hawk. <laughs> Which you named, by the way, right before, like when, when you, we were here, inspired it. Yeah, we were watching The Godfather um, on, a, on a lazy morning with our coffee, and I had yet to name the bird, and I always, I usually name the birds after actors or actresses, so James Caan just felt right. I mostly call him James, though. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if human James Conn had talents, he would he would rock him. Yeah. Dare to dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to have that level of confidence, talent confidence. Oh my goodness. Oh, hi, everybody. Um, I am a, an author and a writer and a farmer, and I've been doing that for a little over a decade here in upstate New York. I mostly focus on raising pork and lamb and occasionally chicken and some other stuff, and it's a small homestead uh, with a little customer base here tucked into a side of a mountain, and Sarah and I met... Um, after I've written a couple of books, and I think I met you at this sweet spot of post Tanya Harding article, pre you're wrong about. So, so I this is a this is, I have I have two amazing Sarah memories I should share with your with your listeners. But one of them, one of my favorites, is you being like, "I listen, me and my friend started this podcast. You want to hear it?" And in my living room, you started playing some of that. Um, I, I think it was. It was, yeah, it was the Exxon, so we're listening to an oil spill. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was just like, I don't know. I think we're going places with this, and you sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we know each other for a couple of years, and you've come to the farm for various times of respite or hanging out, or sometimes you farm at my friend Patty's place. So you're familiar with this little corner of the world. What, yeah, there's not much better to strive for. But yeah, there's a lot of multi species systems going on around here. Keeps things interesting. Yeah. Imagine Me and You is a movie that I should have seen when it came out in, I believe it came out in 2006 in the United States. It's a British rom-com. Uh, boy, this this movie is definitely the like hot slice of apple pie with like grocery store vanilla melting on top of it of rom-coms. This is not, there's nothing incredibly deep or like earth shattering other than the fact that it was written for, I believe the original the original script was for a heterosexual couple and it was changed to be a, a gay couple. And I, I believe, yeah, the writer and director, um, a gentleman named, I believe Oliver, oh, what is his last name? Park. I think his last name's Park. I'm not sure. He's the same guy who wrote and directed um, Mamma Mia. This time it's personal. What's the sequel to Mamma Mia? Yeah. I knew it was, I knew it was a couple syllables um, with something. <laughs> That's, I would buy that t-shirt <laughs> just Meryl Streep's going into the water with her one thumb yeah great <laughs> yeah my goodness
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I So I fell in love with this movie, and uh, the reason was I wish I had seen it at that time in my life. I wish I saw it right out of college. I was, like, just set loose in the world. I had graduated with a design degree. I was working for a television network. I was... I was really excited to be a part of like the grown up world. And had I seen Imagine Me and You, it could have like saved me 15 years. <laughs> like, like it, it took, it would have helped me come out a lot sooner. I, I'm one of those women who've come out later in life in my, I came out like publicly in my like mid 30s. So I got to, ex- <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it's like people are realizing they can order off the in flight menu. But I, it's just been a delightful experience watching these movies. I wish I experienced in my actual young adulthood, going through the second adolescence of finally being able to have crushes and date the right people. And it's such a cozy fairy tale of a movie, the whole premise. Um, and I'm such a sucker for anything involving true love. So I just, I've watched this movie. It's probably been on in the background and been a part of my life for the past seven years. I've, I probably saw this movie 20 times. I probably sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end four of those 20 times. And I've, it's just been, you know how some movies become that? They become like the background of your life. This is one that, yeah, it's, um, yeah, you got movies that just like, they become like, you know, the burdock to your wool sweater. They're just going to be there with you. They're holding on, you know? Oh, yeah, um, the Velcro to your Velcro. I don't know. These movies stick with you. Yeah. That's lovely. What an aspirational career. (laughs) Yeah. I know. That's... Because it's it's the bake off of rom coms. <laughs> it's like it's yeah, it's definitely it's comforting. Yeah. I'm not here to talk about amazing cinema. I'm not here to talk to you about amazing acting. I'm not even here to talk to you about a mediocre movie. I'm here to talk to you about comfort, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to talk to you about yeah, it's just we're here to learn about this is medicine. I can I can be it's I, This movie has been put on when I've just had a horrible day and I'm like, I want to see two straight women fall in love, you know, on screen. It'll be lovely. And it always is. <laughs> see, I saw this post Game of Thrones. So... You're right, you're right, but I saw it post Game of Thrones. So I'm like, oh my god, it's Cersei Lannister. Uh yes, the Lucy, who's the florist, played Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. As a grown woman. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's got some range. She can ruin inventory. <laughs> I've never seen it either. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> It's 2005. Like, the, the fashion is atrocious. It's the hats. It's those, like, it's like those beanies with the brim. Remember that moment? Remember? Like,. Fantastic. around weddings like that's another thing like <laughs> like can you ask your florist to get your wedding ring out of a punch bowl at you're like will they be ready on standby yeah well if you need you need shit done at a wedding you can call a lesbian yeah Are you talking about Cooper, like the the dirtbag guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely um I guess supposed to be like the I well he's I I always saw him as opposite of like Hex character is supposed to be so wholesome, which is something I will give this movie credit for. It's so easy in a movie like this where someone's leaving a partner for someone else that it's easier on the whole audience if the partner they're leaving is a piece of shit. But it turns out he's just an overall nice guy with jam making dreams. You know, you know, he's just, he's like, a, he's incredibly sweet. The men in this movie are incredibly sweet. Like, um, Miss, um, Anthony head when he, when he's in the movie, he's kind of playing like a, like a doddering almost version of Giles, it's it's like the it's like what had magic not existed or vampires didn't exist this could have been Giles' future. You know? So thank goodness for hellmouths. 
you know, but, you know, but, but yeah, the men in this movie are incredibly, there's, I mean, I mean, even the sleazy guys, like, um, I think the sleaziest guy in the movie is, um, Good's boss, the guy who literally hits on his co-worker's wife at the wedding. That's correct. <laughs> it's perfect placement. could use editing. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it is. That is a dream. When I see a movie and I put it on and I know that I can sit down for the whole thing without having to like get up for any needs of the mind, body or soul, like there's not an intermission that's required to get through it. It is. It's a real treat. No, no, you're actually right. <laughs> Sometimes movies be like that. Yeah. Yes, it's this is the this is 100% a movie ass movie. You are a movie ass movie is a movie that like it deserves to be forever embedded in our brain. It's like one of those VHS tapes at Blockbuster. Like it's 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 both like ambiguous and a wholesome unit in itself. It is there's all the right cliches, all the right tropes. You could literally finish the script while watching it. You're not gonna there's not gonna be a surprise twist ending. The the twist in this movie is that the white straight guy still lands on his feet. Like I think that was like an unnecessary concession at the end, which even got to yeah. It felt weird. I'm happy. Yeah, it absolutely felt like Fantastic. Couldn't have written it better myself. I mean, like, the movie is ridiculous. <laughs> so, I, that is, look at, look at her. I, um, I thought, like, you were just talking about that scene where he, like, basically kisses her on the forehead and gives him his bless, like, her or his, you know what I'm saying? He's, there's this great scene where, well, not great scene, but there's this moment where Heck, like, holds Piper's head and is like, what you're feeling now is the unstoppable force. And it's, it's ridiculous. But she didn't, she wasn't there for that explanation in the beginning. That was, like, she doesn't get that joke. Like, she. <laughs> yeah, she was pissing in a McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that kid just wanders around and shows up in whatever scene is necessary. She, it, like that, that child has the ability to teleport. It. <laughs> they do. They do. And I don't know if the director was trying to be like, well, this could be your future, a miserable muddling through a heterosexual relationship. But it's, it seems kind of unfair to like compare a 
partnership of like convenience. But I mean, did you see their house? They have a gorgeous life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it sure is. Yeah. Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, so we're really about, so the, the gist is a, a straight woman meets the love of her life while she's walking down the aisle of her own wedding to a man. And he's a very sweet man who has like some random finance job and she has some obscure office job and they're just middle class white people, well, upper middle class white British people going about normal upper class British white things uh, such as this wedding. And it's one of those love at first sight moments and they get to yip yapping and tick, you know, talking and all of a sudden this straight woman shows up at her wedding florist's place of business and is like, come over to my house for dinner. Well, and again, where I'm where you're at, he, they, they set up for this double date, not knowing, no one, no one knows at this point that she is a lesbian and she's invited to this dinner as this double date, this horrible meal is cooked and then I'll speed this up. So anyway, this is the moment where they realize they have some sort of connection and this like, quote unquote, didn't you know I wanted to be best friends with her as soon as I saw her, all this business. And then so on and so forth. They spend a lot of time flirting and going on these weird borderline platonic, borderline flirty, then just flirty dates with like this out of pocket shit being done by a straight woman who is like asking her lesbian friend to put her arms around her and help with her vocal stylings. And um, I think at one point she leans in to make the first move at some point before like a car passes or something. There's a lot of great there's a lot of grazing. Yeah, there's a whole screaming scene. It's it. Yeah, well, there's just way to teach things and sometimes hands-on is the best approach, but yeah. So they flirt and they hang out to the point where this is the most lesbian part of this movie. There's a scene where they just can't take it anymore and uh, the straight woman runs into the flo the florist's place and there's an inevitable argument slash makeout scene, spoiler alert, followed by um, the husband of the straight woman coming. No interrupt, I'm new at this. Yeah, painful. That's someone's wedding order. Like, you don't just have... S <laughs> yeah, like that's... Yeah. Yeah, so that's serious. I feel like if you're willing to crush a couple grand in inventory. Yeah. 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 No, no, that's it. And so they make out and then at that point it's we have half an hour left in the movie. We don't get that kiss until there's like practically we're, we're that's the beginning of act 3 and that's correct and there's the hemming and hawing of her having the convenience of basically like admitting to her husband she's in love with someone else while he's fake asleep on a couch. There's This movie goes out of its way to make sure the most uncomfortable parts of the story are basically like couched in the most like down pillow kind of like exposition and, and transitions. It's just like, oh, I was... <laughs> well, that's what I want as a British rom-com. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so
So yeah, so they the they fall in love and uh the guy gets it and there's a whole breakup scene over a birthday cake that's very uncomfortable in a fancy house. And then we get the like rush to the airport scene at the end because they after that whole Yes, a little bit of that where we get like the British family all it's, it's much like Notting Hill where everyone gets in the car at the end to beat traffic and talk to the girl. And we get our um that's where we get the the namesake of the movie. Some random messenger is on a bike singing the nineteen sixty seven Turtles hit, Imagine Me and You, which um I did not know was by the Turtles until I looked this up. It's embarrassing who I thought that song was by. So you can you You can Yes, I thought it was by the Beatles. Because all like acid rock to me sounds like the same kind of holding hands. Yeah. I just, I really did. So I looked it up today. <laughs> I feel like people who love the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. And it's none of our business, frankly. Yeah, I just learned that metal is called heavy metal because it's harder than rock. Like metal is harder than stone. I just learned that. I'm. F oh, see. Okay. <laughs> I could be wrong. That's just something I saw on Reddit one day. Were there heavy metal songs before Steppenwolf's Heavy Metal Thunder? All right. I see you earning that sleeve of tattoos. <laughs> yeah, that's part of fun. We're learning about life together. Her and Justin. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the infamous. <laughs> Can you not picture that picture of Brittany and Justin like on a, like a fold and tear, like, valentine's day card for school like it's just such a that moment it would be beautiful yeah yeah exactly so they, that's the whole movie like they end up they do end up together She also doesn't pay. She just leaves. <laughs> doesn't she? Doesn't she hear? Wait, are you talking? Looser pipe, Piper. Wait. All right, she stands up and screams. All right, let's hope so. Couldn't agree more. Name three happy lesbian movies. Like, name three. I can think this, Debs, which is like close to around the same. And then, like, another one, I don't know, the car itself in Thelma and Louise. Like, there's not a lot of, like, <laughs> no, it didn't. 
but like I, there's just not a lot like it's just it's a real cliche like a lot of queer movies is like someone in a bonnet looking across a room at someone they can't touch without burning in hell Hey! <laughs> yeah! I don't, I think they just want to be like, don't worry, audience. The, the straight white man will be okay. He will land on his feet. He is going to write his travel book. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even, I don't really acknowledge that as canon. I, um... I don't, but I do. Here's something I would like to ask you guys. Do you believe in love at first sight? That is a topic brought up several times in this movie. No, I I do believe in love at first sight, but I think it's very I do not think in the moment of seeing someone the first time you're falling in love, not consciously. I think if you look at the person you love the most in the world and I'm talking about like a romantic love, you can probably remember the first time you saw that person. Maybe maybe the moment you are seeing them it wasn't quote unquote love at first sight, but I think if you're like if I think about the people in my past that I've been in love with, I can remember those first moments of seeing them and actually seeing them. So I think there's beauty to it. But I think that people confuse lust at first sight, infatuation at first sight, intrigue at first sight, uh, you know, regret at first sight, whatever. I think people can look for a lot of escapes and emotions in other people. But do I, I, listening to you, Alex, talk about like, how much data are you getting, like data, how are, are you getting from having like a glance at someone? And the question is either like, either that glance is apparently all you need, or it's just, I don't know, just your human reaction to another animal. But I'm, I'm one, I want to believe in love at first sight. I want to believe it. It sounds very poetic. Life's a lot of misery and trauma. And the idea that any second you, you know what I mean? But the idea that you could walk into like a Cinnabon line and that you could turn around and there's the love of your life, like, or anywhere, really. I just use Cinnabon to think of a place that we could be standing in a line with random people. But is that even a thing anymore? I can't remember the last time I was in a... I haven't been in an airport since the Obama administration. Yeah. That's not true. I picked you up at an airport once. You're... Yeah, yeah, we went to Buca de Peppo. Yeah. Yeah, I've lived a life, Alex. <laughs> I think all this movie is saying, hey, lesbians, 
guess what we got for you? We got your little, we got your little candy bag right here and nothing will break your teeth. And if you have any allergies, don't worry about them. And you can like set your sleep timer on your phone because you're just going to go to a little dreamland. What a perfect little night we're having. I think it's nice just to have a, a gay movie that is this inconsequential. It's not even a coming out story. There's not really a, I appreciate that there's not like a coming out moment. The mo, I think the moment the, the, um, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is the random grocery store scene. If you can remember where it's a lot of fun in the sense that, and for me as a, as a gay woman, that conversation you have with your gay friend about the person you should not be into or person you are into, but that whole like dishing and just giving each other shit with like your queer bestie and then having to, you know, it's, it's a fun little moment for me, like to see that on film of like just someone giving you a, but I mean, we can all relate to giving your, your bestie a hard time about whoever it is they're into. But I thought that was a lot of fun where, um, they're walking down the aisle and this is, I can't believe the most unbelievable part of this movie is not someone leaving their husband for a florist. What is unbelievable to me is that any, husband and wife that are that close of friends would wait that long to tell the other person the woman you invited as a lesbian isn't just to like laugh at Cooper you know what I mean like the fact that she found out in the grocery store like two days later I'm like I would have told her that in the bathroom and yeah 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 this is goss this is hot goss yeah so like the fact that um when he's like, she's gay, and, and, and she's like, oh, she's gay. I'm like, oh, that's the moment she realized, oh, I'm into this. I'm into her. Yeah. <laughs> that's correct. like a red flag if at your own wedding you have nothing to say about it yeah <laughs> clearly lying like a yeah I don't know because it was convenient for the plot and because who doesn't want to see I, I, I mean, I imagine. We are a people excellent at communication. That's correct. Yeah, she's an expert. Yeah, well, that's half the appeal. That's what we got going for us. I, I, um, I'm one of those people who came out like later in life. It had like a kind of a traumatic, not traumatic. That's, that's dramatic. But like it was my own coming out was uh, really delayed by a stunted young adulthood. And I was just so terrified of being gay. It was, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, I mean, that's, that's really the, I mean, I really do feel like, uh, like a lot of queer stories are isolation stories. And I'm a, a woman that after college uh, worked in the corporate world for a couple of years and then quit my job and ran away to a farm on the side of a mountain and took up a lot of what now just seems like a manic pile of obsessions because I was, I think I was so terrified of coming out that I learned how to harness and work with draft horses and I learned how to milk dairy goats and make cheese and I learned how to train yeah, I learned how to like, I, yeah, I was an archery instructor. I should have been giving a merit badge for these. Like, it was just, yeah, I got, I'm a fal I got my falconry license. I mean, what could, come on. And it's just, I, I know. <laughs> I have seen clips of this movie and I've never watched it. But I 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, when I finally was, there was a moment where like the, like the dam broke in the sense that once I accepted who I was, I was like, oh, I have like 25 years of media to catch up on when I was, because I used, I used to purposely avoid any, if this movie existed, I think my brain would have blacked it out. You know what I mean? Like, I think I wouldn't even have computed it. So it's one of the, um, I just avoid It's the same reason I won't read Marie Kondo's organization book. Like, I'm not ready for that information. Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not good. Yeah. I, know. I just, I just knew I was gay and I didn't want to deal with it. So I put off watching anything. I never watched The L Word until my 30s. And so when I finally gave myself permission to just enjoy this kind of content, I was so thirsty for it that this was the first movie I saw that didn't involve someone throwing themselves off a building. You know what I mean? Or like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you can't find a needle in a haystack, just lay down. Like, just, yeah, just roll around a little bit. It'll find you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, darling, I uh, I'm a I I I have I'm not here in defense of this movie. I'm not interested in that. But you're, no. You're just not getting any objectivity out of me. This is a it's a yeah. Yeah, and don't you think the movies or the movies that really touch us, it's 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 really a it's a dice throw of what it is that comes into our life and what we give ourselves permission to fully accept or just enjoy. I mean, there are, I'm, I've listened to other episodes where folks are like, well, maybe I shouldn't have liked this movie, but I did it this time. And this part of it really spoke to me. And what spoke to me and imagine me and you was that I could have a happy future. Like there was, and I, and I wish that the, the girl who just graduated college when this movie came out had seen this movie and hadn't been so terrified of it. And what I love about my relationship to this movie is that I'm, when I watched it, I felt as emotionally mature as I would have been graduating college because I was going through dating for the first time. And I think about couples, like straight couples I know that are in happy relationships and marriages with someone they've known like after 20 years of dating. You know, they started dating at 15 and they met their love of their life at 35. And I'm like, God damn it. I started dating at like 36, you know, like I feel like I have so much to catch up on. And I think just seeing this movie where you could literally love can strike at any moment. I think there was hope in that. And it's, <laughs> that's a telling phrase, <laughs> but true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can ask anything, darling. Uh, I wasn't, I was never interested in, yeah, I was not interested in men. And I just was like, oh, like, I guess I'm just asexual, or I guess I'm just, just not interested. Or I just told myself the same thing a lot of queer people say, which is like, well, if it's the right guy, I'll know. And there was a lot of nice men, and not a lot, but I, the men that were interested in me were very kind and lovely people. But I just, I just felt nothing. And I was like, I knew why. And, and I think, I think that the answer is like people only go as far as they can go at certain points in their life. And it was easier for me to avoid dating and be like, I'm busy starting this farm from scratch. I'm, I'm, I'm publishing books. I'm, I'm getting my, my voice out there. I'm focusing on my writing career. I'm focusing on the farm. And when you live in the middle of nowhere and you've dedicated your life to your backyard, it's real easy to hide from the dating world and I use that as an excuse and I and as much as the farm like isolated me from a lot it also forced me to deal with a lot of stuff that I would not have dealt with because if I had met like if I had met my Hector my heck guy at 22 I would have absolutely married him because I didn't know shit about myself at 22 you know and so I just think 
the real gift of coming out later in life is that I know exactly who I am and exactly what I'm looking for as far as like happiness or a relationship. And I, I can be that person, that adult person. And watching this movie feels like watching a ditzy kid sister stumble around in the dark and like still end up on her feet, like kissing someone. So I'm like, it's just, um, it's just a sweet little part of my life. And I think when I put it on, it's like putting on the Gilmore girls or like putting on the Lion King or something I've seen a thousand times. Just, it becomes movies that we love, regardless how stupid they are, they become the, the backgrounds of our lives. They're like little anchor points. And the fact that this came out when I came out, like I, this came out to, this movie came into my life when I was coming out. So I feel like if I ever run into this director, I will have nothing to talk about involving Mamma Mia, but I could really, I could really ask him some questions about filming in London. Darling, I haven't. Are you pulling my leg? Is this like, do I need to have seen the original Mamma Mia? This is like me in Puss in Boots. Really? I'll watch it tonight. Is there a scene where Meryl Streep jumps in the pool in a, in a lake or something? Or is that the first one? All right. That's that. You now know everything I know about that movie. It's like a jukebox musical, right? Yeah, we're not looking for anything deep. So how interesting that th- that was the same writer and director as this movie, and it's your favorite movie. One of your favorite movies. Yeah, so that guy had to cook for 12 years. It's your pitch perfect. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. <laughs> I there's that was another coming out movie. I remember watching that and being like, I don't think I'm into Anna Kendrick for the reasons I thought I was into Anna Kendrick. Yeah. We learn as we go, right? We're just a <laughs> We do. <laughs> Yes, very confusing. Yeah, I don't, I think just because women are socialized to be so much more open and comfortable around our own uh, gender that we just, I mean, I can remember a thousand sleepovers where people are doing like massage chains and I'm having little panic attacks. Like I should not be touching these people. Like, you know, like this would not be allowed at catechism, but I just, um, but uh, I, I mean, yeah, I think that uh, I, I think we're really taught to just be like, Oh, these are your girls and these are the boys and these girls are your best friends until they become your moral enemies. Yeah, I fell for it. I was very confused. But um, eventually, I think if you, you slog it out long enough, you figure it out. Or you die. Either way, it ends. <laughs> yeah, I should work at Hallmark. I'm an ups- I am... Four and a half hours from New York City, but technically in New York, yes. I'm north of Albany. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that is or where it, what it means. It's an apple. I am very close to Bennington, Vermont. I'm very close. I'm very close. I'm an hour north of Albany about. Um, it's that weird little corner. Um, Oh, this is just a house without overhead lighting. 
Oh, oh, right here? Yeah, right here in my heart? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm also, our family's from like Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard thing. Like, the best advice, I don't know. Yeah, save yourself some time. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Fantastic. They're there. They're hungry for it. They can't wait. You should write a letter. Give people some advice. That sounds lovely. Yeah, someone needs to hear that. Someone in Bennington really needs to hear that right now. Good for you. what I would have told myself in college, like if I had heard a Bennington letter, it would be a Kutztown university letter to me. I went to an, uh, a state school in the middle of like Amish Pennsylvania. So there's like, you know, buggies and cows was my college experience and antiquing. Um, I was super lame. I was like a closeted lesbian. And I think what I would tell myself, cause I was so in the closet, I wasn't even considering sexuality or dating. And I was so obsessed with thinking I was hideous every day. And I looked like a regular human woman, like just, you know, almost amazingly mundane in how I looked, like not super tall, not super short, not super big, not super small. Like, and I would just be like, I would, yeah, no, regular size. This book could snack that. If I shook that woman's hand, she might die. Like, <laughs> like I think, um, but I would just tell myself that you're beautiful. I would just sort of like tell myself like, Hey, I've been around for an extra, you know, 21 years. And I just would like you to know that you're, you're absolutely beautiful. And I would just let myself feel a little more comfortable in my own skin. But, um, which sounds, so, I'm not trying to sound narcissistic. I just mean, had I not gone through life ashamed of everything about myself, I, I, it, there's, I, I really related to what you said, Alex, like there's information you could have had when you were 23 with ADHD that maybe would have changed the wiring in your brain. Maybe you wouldn't have to cut certain things in an emergency or you could have just, 
I don't know, there could have been like a more wholesome connection to growing up. And I think had I not been so uh, distracted by self-loathing so late into my life, I'm like, wow, I could have, well, I wouldn't be Taylor Swift, but I could easily be like, I could easily, uh, nobody, nobody, dear, let's, don't even get me started. I have a life I have to live. I just think like, um, I just think, uh, I think I would have, I, I, I'm very happy. There's no one in the world I want to trade places with. That's how I feel about my life. I'm in. I'm passionately in love with it. However, I just think about where I could be in life had I not been so holding myself back. Yeah, I think that's most people looking at their back, their past, though. Yeah. It- yeah. What a sweetheart. I knew he had it in him. Can you imagine? Correct. I have heard this question said before. The daddy of this movie. I mean, Lucy's the daddy of this movie. She walks into frame and takes over an entire marriage and still keeps her flower business. I mean, but like, like, like she's the daddy. Um, but I think the most like fatherly figure, like as far as in that sense is, um, I, I, I would give it to Giles that he does that speech where he, like basically his daughter just comes out and ruins a wedding. I assume that they had paid for that looked huge and exciting with a tent and a DJ. And so I assume, and a punch bowl. So I assume when he sat down and like, was like, if my shitty wife ever found anyone she actually loved, I'd let her go. You know, that, that I'm paraphrasing, but that's the speech. And um, I was like, well, wow, he's, he's basically saying, go, go out there and, we love you no matter what and go get your girl. And that just, that could actually be the moment in the movie I'm the most touched by, not even the relationship. The fact that her family is just like, yeah, we, okay, this is new information, but we're going to help you. We're going to redo Notting Hill. Let's get going. When did Notting Hill come out? Did Notting Hill rip off this movie? 98 or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. I'm, I, I, if anyone heard that, strike it from your mind and record. <laughs> Excellent choice. Were you a kid that also had like random adults you invited out to go on adult dates with, like to the museum and movies? Yeah. Yeah. 
Spencer a beat scene, man. You're better off. What about you, Sarah? <laughs> Who was your daddy? I hope, I hope it is. Hey, Mama Mia came 12 years later. You don't know what this man was capable of. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I, um, if you're interested in reading the musings of a lesbian who came out later in life and homesteading, farming, falconry, and fishing, I've been... Uh, I've been building up a substack. Uh, it's Cold Antler Farm is the name of it. That's also the name of my farm. And it's pretty active and keeping me busy, and we're slowly building it up. But, yeah, it's mostly topics of, of uh, yeah, later in life kind of like finding love. And um, I just appreciate you guys having me on here to talk about this silly movie. Oh, thanks, darling. Yeah, here I am. There you are. Thank you so much. Of course. This part I've got down. And, and, and I will also copy those other two people. All right.